0: Then I'm just standing there in the parking lot with stars whirling around me. Bat and Turtle come back outside to stare and jump and run their fingers through my cosmic blob. Everyone is shouting questions and pointing their phones at me and cars on the highway slow down and honk. I probably should have waited to do this indoors or at least someplace more private. We better get out of here. Rachel whispers, then heads back to her car. I give Bette and Turtle an apologetic shrug and run after Rachel. As soon as I get in the passenger seat and Rachel puts her car in gear, we spot the crucial flaw in her plan. The whole windshield is peppered with tiny lights, too bright for her to see the road. Ah, damn, she says. Any chance you can turn down your light show? I try covering myself with a blanket from Rachel's back seat, but it does nothing to keep the star map from surrounding my body. Sorry, I don't know how long this is going to keep up, or even what happens now. Rachel backs out of the gravel parking lot, because we're starting to attract a crowd here, and she inches out the back exit onto the single lane side road. She keeps pausing and cursing, then gliding forward again. We take ten minutes to go a few blocks. They did not cover this in driver's ed. Rachel squints at the road through the veil of stars. My phone rings. It's my mom. I'm baking a cake, she says before I can even speak. What? I sputter. I've been saving that box of double chocolate sponge cake mix. The one at the back of the bottom of the cupboard, remember? I dreaded this day so much, and then I figured when the murderous aliens showed up, at least we could have cake. And years went by, and I stopped thinking of it as murderous alien day and started thinking of it as cake day. Are you sure that cake mix is still okay to eat? I start to say, but then I focus on what's important here. So, you already know, the beacon. You went viral, sweetie, she sighs. I just got a dozen messages in five minutes, so... I guess this is it. Yeah, I close my eyes, partly because the star glare hurts to look at, We're still driving extra slow on the one lane road except now people have spotted us and are running alongside taking pictures of the car wrapped in a star globe. Just please remember what I told you. Run. Don't stop running for anything. I will. I need to go. Love you. I hang up before she can say anything else. Rachel pulls off the road into a quiet spot between a tall wooden fence and a tiny community garden where we can watch the light show without anyone messing with us. It's real, she whispers. It's real, and you did it, and all of this beauty came out of you. I can't even believe it. Yeah. I feel like I've always had a knot inside me, made out of pure, concentrated if-only. And now it's gone, and I suddenly have all this extra space to fill. With what? I don't know. We just sit there, watching the lights fade slowly. This one blue-green dot glows brighter than anything else. And I'm guessing that's Earth. And there are two different red blips, arcing towards the blue dot from opposite directions. Spaceships? I feel another chill go right through me, along with a wave of seasickness. I guess we're about to make some new friends. You should get as far away from me as you can, I say to Rachel. I don't want you to become collateral damage. She's gone silent again. I don't know what kind this is. So I just keep talking, staring at the planters full of sunflowers and tomatoes. I wish those jerk rags hadn't driven you away from high school. I wish I could have done more to help. I know we've been in touch the whole time, but I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't been here today. But now, I have to do this alone. Rachel looks at the dying embers of my star map, then looks me in the face. I just want to see how this turns out. Yeah, I get that, but I start to say that it's too dangerous. And that's when the community garden bursts into flames. I catch a glimpse of someone holding a big weapon like the one Morant aimed at me in my visions. All I have time to register is really bulky, built like a linebacker and then some. Matte black armor with a red stripe going diagonally halfway down the chest and a face like a human skull grinning at us. Rachel throws her car into reverse and backs up so fast her tires churn up the dirt of this turnaround. A second later, we're speeding away from the alien. Oh God, oh God, oh God, It started already. My breathing sputters like I just ran a dozen sudden death sprints. I was sure those spaceships hadn't even arrived yet, but this alien must have been hiding on Earth, waiting for my beacon to go off. Rachel is talking to herself in a low voice, the same way she always used to whenever people hassled her at school. She swerves around a pickup truck. Her eyes bug out a little. I need to take her mind off the skull-faced alien trying to kill us. Rachel, what's your favorite comic these days? What? She swerves around another car. Just curious. What comics do you like? Um, that's a really weird question at this particular moment. I, I don't know. Kim and Kim's Squirrel Girl or Miss Marvel, maybe? Mooncakes? Lumberjanes? Depends on the day. Something blows up behind us, loud enough that my ears hurt. The very air seems to split in half. The alien is still shooting its high tech flamethrower at us, but we're actually getting away, for now. You should drop me off, I say to Rachel. Get as far away from this mess as you can. You fucked Driver's Ed, and you don't even have a car. She's heading for the bypass highway. We speed along the highway, going as fast as we can without getting pulled over. I keep Rachel talking about comics so she can keep calm for us both. She explains to me about forced perspective, how the panel around each drawing can be a window, but also a frame. I don't understand why Rachel won't just drop me off and let me handle this on my own. I used to see her huddling under a table in the empty high school library with a stack of books rather than face the bullies. But as soon as a big Fortnite-looking creep with a skull face is chasing after us, she refuses to bail. Billboards whiz past, empty promises on stilts. No sign of the alien chasing us, but I know they're still coming. My phone lights up with a text from my mom. I wish I could have been there to see it. I meant it when I said I'd always be proud of you, no matter what. Then another mom text. Listen, they told me your beacon was designed to be tracked from space. Maybe not so accurate up close. Try to find someplace with lots of walls and insulation. Someplace with no innocent people who could get hurt. I love you. Stay alive. I tell Rachel what my mom just said. She nods and smiles. Maury's? OMG, yes, Maury's. We're not far. A few minutes later, we swerve off the bypass highway onto a cracked tarmac road that makes the Dodge's suspension wobble. A big sign reads, Maury's Paintball and Miniature Golf Thunderland. Try our hot wings. There's a padlock chain on the gate. But kids have been sneaking in here ever since the place shut down. Rachel and I slip through the hole in the fence and find the jimmied service entrance that leads inside the squat cement paintball palace. The top of the mini golf course's windmill peeks over the side of the building. My knapsack buzzes. My mom again. I can't risk the flamethrower packing monster hearing my phone, so I turn it off, and Rachel does the same with hers. I hear heavy footsteps thump, 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 a ways off but getting closer. Then I follow Rachel inside the paintball building where it's too dark to see anything. When my eyes adjust, I'm looking at a metal cutout of a woman holding a baby next to another cutout of a man in combat fatigues. Targets. Nearby, there are metal barrels, artfully ruined sections of brick wall, and ladders to an upper level. Off to one side is a maze of metal walls, and over on the other side is a fake apartment building. We find a ladder that leads to a crawl space, which Rachel is pretty sure comes out in the upper floor of the fake apartment building. We make it halfway across the dusty gloom of the crawl space and then the whole building shakes and the late afternoon sun comes filtering through a brand new hole in the wall behind us. The monster has arrived. We move away from the splash of light from the new hole in the wall until I can barely see Rachel's outline. The two of us shuffle forward over splinters and discarded paintball gear until we reach the back of the crawlspace. A voice comes from underneath us. She's here somewhere, but I can't get an accurate fix. We could just burn the whole place down. A second more guttural voice answers. No. She might have useful information. Morant believes she knew something about the location of the Talgon stone. Our orders were precise. Take her alive for interrogation if possible. But under no circumstances do we let her fall into the enemy's hands. Best hurry then. They'll be here soon. At the mention of interrogation, which probably means torture, right? Rachel reaches out and squeezes my hand. I squeeze back. Through a gap between the floorboards, I catch sight of the second alien. Big, powerful shoulders covered with curved spikes that look razor sharp. We slip through the trap door that leads to the top of the fake apartment building, which has another few metal silhouettes of people. I try to keep Rachel behind me so I can shield her with my body. It's my fault she's in this mess. My leg connects with an old paintball canister, and it clatters across the floor. What was that? The low guttural voice answers. I'll check it out. The thumping footsteps come up the staircase, and a beam of light shines upward from below. Rachel freezes, shrinking into the darkness. In the beam from the creature's high-tech flashlight, I catch a glimpse of a skull. That seems to float in midair. The skull's eyeballs swivel in their sockets. And they see us. The light hits me right in the face, so I can't see a thing, but I hear the raspy grunts as the bulky figure lunges towards us. Damn, I scuttle back the way I came, but Rachel pulls at my arm. She's found another ladder that leads in a different direction. Skullface is still coming. I grope in the darkness and my hand closes around something. A discarded paintball gun. I fumble with the gun for a moment, then shoot Skullface right between the eyes. Doesn't slow them down at all. Rachel's already gotten down the ladder and I slide down after her like a firefighter. We're in a maze of corrugated metal that rattles as we move. Skullface is right behind us. We put a few turns between the aliens and ourselves, and then we're in total darkness again. I trip over a pile of sandbags and barely catch myself. The heavy grinding footsteps are right behind us, and I keep catching glimpses of the light, which is now glowing green and yellow and red, like some kind of hologram. The royal fleet shouldn't have hid you here among these lesser humanoids. Their influence has made you weak, Skullface says in a conversational tone. You were a formidable warrior once. Now look at you. It's not your fault. Rachel leads me through a fire door that swings open with a telltale squeak, and we're behind the castle in the miniature golf course. The castle's moat is dry, so we creep under the drawbridge. The castle bursts into flames with a supersonic boom. We're out of time, the guttural voice says. I'm exercising the kill option. The fire spreads to the windmill. Smoke flows over us, rank with the odor of burning wood and plastic. Another Boom, this one off in the distance. Rachel and I crawl as far under the shelter of the drawbridge as we can, nestling amid scum and lost golf balls. They found us, the spiky alien shouts. I'll hold them off. You finish the- A high-pitched whistle cuts through the air, and the spiky alien's voice stops in mid-sentence. The drawbridge lifts away from Rachel and me with a splintering, rending sound, leaving us exposed to the smoky air. Standing over us, silhouetted by flames, is Skullface, eyes scowling, exposed cheekbones making deep shadows. In the name of the compassion, I consign you to death. That voice sounds even hoarser with all the smoke. A wizened gray tongue darts out of the lipless mouth. I raise my fist and lunge forward out of the moat, and I roar, leave my friend alone. My fist connects with a bony cheekbone. I only manage to scrape my knuckles, and then I fall backward into the dried out moat, My assault caught this creature off guard for a second, but then the gun is aimed at us once again. My eyes are blighted with dark smoke and I can barely breathe, and I try to take in enough air to give one last shout of defiance. This grim reaper raises its giant weapon and aims right at my face. Another explosion shreds my eardrums, followed by a horrible, burnt pork chop smell skullface falls to his knees then topples over sideways another shadow appears in the middle of the smoke and someone leans over Rachel and me a bright yellow hand streaked with blue reaches out to us it's okay you're safe now i look up and see a bald head colored the same canary yellow as their hand covered with sky-blue zebra stripes. Studs or bone spurs come out of the top of their head and go all the way down the back of their neck. My name is Yato the Manta, and my pronoun is they. Their eyes, reflecting the glare of the firelight, have a kind expression and they're wearing the same cranberry-colored two-piece uniform I wore in my vision of my past life, with the round emblem on the left shoulder with a picture of a winged serpent. I reach up and clasp their hand, and they pull me up out of the foul moat. I'm a junior visioner with the HMSS indomitable, they say to me, and I'm here to bring you home. Their strong hand is still wrapped around mine, and they smile at me like we're already friends. I still feel lightheaded. Joy and relief flood through me, almost too much for one body to contain.